Hi there, and welcome to Liz Collin Reports, where we talk truth and have meaningful Minnesota conversations. My guest on the podcast is the author of Vaccine Court 2.0, Wayne Rohde. His book explores the dark truth of America's vaccine injury compensation program and the struggles of families trying to navigate it. Wayne, thanks so much for being my guest today. Well, thank you for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. And Wayne, I wanted to talk to you more about a recent Alpha News story exploring more on the VAERS or the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. But before we get to that, your own experience is really heartbreaking and is what led you down this path in the first place. But I wanted to start there. Just explain uh, to our audience what what happened to your son. Well, briefly, um, my son, Nicholas, um, him and his twin brother, Austin, Nicholas was vaccine injured at the age of 13 months from the MMR vaccine. We did not know it at the time until um, several um, months or actually years later that we figured it out. It was a vaccine injury. He's now 25. He lost his voice, his speech, ability to play with his brother socially, and he became very isolated and is almost like his own little person and not really wanting to associate with anyone. He was later uh, diagnosed uh, with what we call severe regressive autism, and that's where he is today. He's basically a three-year-old in a 25-year-old man's body. So then you're left, Wayne, to try to make sense of these programs and government system where you've, I know, uncovered a lot of troubling things over the years. Um, But just to to kind of bring it all together uh, to to present day, this specific Alpha News story we're talking about involves the death of Darlene Carlson, an 82-year-old, sadly, from the cities who died this summer um, after receiving a COVID booster shot. It even spells out on her death certificate that the vaccine played a factor. The family believes it'll be reported to VAERS by the doctors, by her nurses, but it's not. I'm wondering, a a story like Darlene's, you know, like your son's, do they even surprise you uh, anymore? Well, sadly, we're seeing more and more um, of what you see from the family of Darlene. It's just, we're seeing a lot more deaths. We're seeing a lot of severe injuries, permanent injuries, uh, from especially from this COVID vaccine. And um, the numbers are just unbelievable. Uh, compared to what we used to have, just as the numbers from childhood vaccines. We're starting to see numbers, you know, 50 to 70 times the numbers of people being injured. Um, it's ridiculous. Like Minnesota is just, it's exploding, but it's, it's happening around the United States. And we can't get the medical community to accept that we do have vaccine injury. It's more prominent more prevalent than what they care to tell us. Um, and we need to let our government know that these are, they're occurring, but we're having difficulty doing that. And you, Wayne, pointed us in, in the direction for those numbers, but um, more than 20,000 Minnesotans who now have reported side effects uh, from, from the COVID vaccine, basically in the two years it's been on the market, including 462 deaths, 271 people with permanent disabilities. But again, those numbers are, are likely higher because of stories like Darlene's. Um, the people who are supposed to be uh, reporting this uh, are not. But explain explain that, what, what you found when it comes to clinicians, when it comes to doctors and uh, their percentage of reporting. Well, first off, the, the VAERS, which is basically the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, 
is a passive reporting. But there is a federal law that says is that clinicians, doctors, nurses, whoever's providing care at the time must report if there is an adverse event from their patient. Now, the problem with that is, is that there's no teeth to that law. There's nothing penalizing them if they don't do this. So a lot of it goes unreported, and it's up to the family's team to, to file. Now, there's a lot of problems, especially during COVID. We've seen a lot of reports filed, but we're also seeing a lot of reports that have been filed with the temporary ID number that you get back once you first initially file it, but then the report disappears. Two weeks ago, Senator Ron Johnson had um, a roundtable discussion in D.C., and one of the topics they're talking about is the call to do what they call freeze the VAR system and do an independent audit because many people, much like the family of what we're talking about, Say we filed it and it's nowhere to be known. So the government doesn't know that we have this issue. And um, so that's a problem. And we just don't know what the number is, the true number. As you said, 462 in Minnesota. I would say that's probably, you know, represents maybe 20%, maybe 30% of the true number. We don't really know. Um, but what does Point stick out to me is the age group 31 to 49, that age group of parents probably starting families and having teen, maybe teenagers. That's the largest number of reporting by age group. It's 25% of all the VARES reports in Minnesota are reported by this group of people ages 31 to 49. That needs to be investigated. We need to know what's going on here. I have some suspicions of why that is, but um, when it represents 25% of the entire reporting system in Minnesota, that we need to look at that. That's concerning. And you've also pointed out, Wayne, that um, they've made this system more cumbersome. It actually takes longer to go ahead and put this information in. So you, you've said before, um, you know, our doctors, our nurses going to, going to take this time um, after a shift to, to put this information in the system. Right. Well, it used to be pretty easy to input a, a report. That was what they called VARES 1.0. And you could fax it in, you could write it in, mail it in. Whatever, and then they went to 2.0 back in, I think it was 2012, 2013, and a few of us were objecting to it because it made it more difficult, time-consuming to input a report. And they're saying, "Well, people have time." Well, we were talking about childhood vaccines or maybe an occasional adult thing. This is way before COVID. So, yes, maybe you have, you know, 20 or 30 reports coming into the system every day. Now you're having thousands and thousands every day, and the system takes 20 to 30 minutes to file a report. So if you tell me which nurse or which doctor, after working a full 10 to 12-hour shift or maybe longer, has time to report one or two more of these things in another couple hours, to input these things in. They just don't. 
but there it is happening. Um, thank goodness, a lot of nurses are taking the time. Families are following up and making sure, but it's still more difficult to file, and that needs to be looked at as well. So, Wayne, I know you were there to see the premiere recently of Anecdotals, a film that featuring some of these true stories, some Minnesotans, actually, people who say, you know, we trusted our government, they feel left behind. Uh, what is it that you want people to take away uh, from, from that film? Well, I think this film was maybe one of the first to ever display openly what people have been talking about. Earlier this year at the Capitol, we had a press conference and we had eight or nine families who have suffered vaccine, COVID vaccine injuries. And we had people talking about it, but we also had a lot of naysayers on there. Now, when you look at this movie, you have quite a few people here, but it, it should be where we should be focusing. Most people just um, don't believe that they can get injured here. And they're what I call walking injured. They're sooner or later, a lot of them are going to be coming down with some chronic illness and things like this. It's just the way this vaccine interacts with our body. Now, but it's also a good testimony without the sensationalism of some of these other documentaries make about, you know, stretching the truth on certain things or taking liberty with certain facts. This movie really goes to the point of showing what is actually happening to people. And you'd be amazed when we were there um, both days, uh, both showings, the number of people that didn't know they had injuries, and then they finally, in the last couple months, figured out they are injured and or know someone in their family is injured. It's, it's amazing. And we'll go ahead and put that link to the, the video um, on our website. So, Wayne, you mentioned that, you know, about these calls uh, for an audit, you know, pointing out these inconsistencies. Are you hopeful? Do you think an audit will happen? Probably not. The powers that be are going to kind of keep things suppressed. Um, CDC is very powerful. They're supposed to manage this. But, you know, we could see something, but I... <laughs> The way Congress is set up right now, it's possible in the House that we could see a call to audit. I know that uh, Congressman J Jim Jordan has been approached, who is going to be a chair of a very powerful judicial committee, I believe. He might have some uh, poll to get that done. Um, whether or not what that does, though, is, is all it shows is we've got safety, safety signals. We know that. But I think the rest of the nation needs to see it. But, you know, half of them are going to deny it anyway. Um, public health is going to deny it. Um, I think the best way to do it is just keep about talking to people. Um, sadly, our numbers are growing who have been injured. And we just need to have media people, outlets such as yourself and Alpha News, Talk about it in Minnesota and just keep continuing to talk about it. We'll certainly do that here. And, and just just to end, what is uh, your advice to, to folks who want to continue following this issue? Um, where can people find you? I know you have a, a blog that um, you keep uh, people updated on, on the entire situation. But where can where can people find you? 
the blog is the vaccinecourt.substack.com where I write a lot about the uh, COVID vaccine injuries um, and also the vaccine court stuff, naturally. You can get a lot of material out on my uh, book's website, which is the vaccinecourt.com. And that's probably the best ways to uh, following along and getting a hold of me. Or you can get me out on Twitter at Wayne Rohde and um, go from there. And as you've said, people don't, you know, expect this to, to happen to them, to their families until it does. I've talked to a couple of people that were they thought they were being embarrassed by admitting that they think they now they are injured of some sort. They're having some chronic issues pop up over the last few months. I said, there's no you do not have to worry about that. We're all going to war- uh, welcome everybody in with open arms on that. But the worst thing that can be done is for people who have been vaccine injured severely is to fall into the trap of depression and isolation because that makes it worse. We need to find these people. A lot of them reach out so we can provide uh, support and guidance. And there are treatments available to help people recover and they are viable. Um, It's not going to be that easy because we got to figure out exactly what's going on with a lot of people. But we are seeing we're turning the corner now on recovery of a lot of these injuries. Well, again, Wayne Rohde, thank you so much for being my guest today. And we also want to thank you for the important work that you do. Well, thank you very much, Liz. I really appreciate it. And that will do it for this episode of Liz Collin Reports. We'll see you next time.